Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host tonight, uh, Samantha Chang. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore. Uh, make sure you're following me. Make sure you're following. Uh, Hello, make sure and you're following to Game Over uh, our guest AJ Hively at Return uh, of AJ on Twitter. How are you doing tonight, AJ? Uh, I'm pretty happy to be on a Vancouver post game pod and not my own tonight. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Avalanche fans are going to be very, very friendly. Uh, our guest, AJ Hively, at Return uh, of AJ on sorry, Twitter. Sorry, I'm having How are you a few tonight, AJ? audio issues for some uh, reason. I can I'm hear myself. happy to be on a uh, But I seem to have sorted that out now. So that, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, I'm here with AJ Hively, repeating myself. Uh, the Canucks win 4-2 over the Colorado Avalanche tonight, defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche, but who have been plagued by injuries. And we will come back to that in our second segment. Uh, Kuzmenko show tonight, two goals from Andre Kuzmenko, a goal from Brock Besser and an empty net goal from JT Miller. Uh, before we get into the first segment where I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest story of the game tonight? I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Um, think you know what way it's going to go. Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, AJ, what was the biggest story for you tonight? Uh, about a three and a half minute, four minute period in the end of the second period where the Avs threw the game into the trash and never revisited it. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I saw somebody say that was, it might have been you, that was the worst five minutes of the Avs entire season. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always easy to say that stuff in the moment to be like, that was the worst ever. Uh, I don't know about worst of the season, certainly uh, worst in quite a while. It, uh, I mean, it's it starts with a couple of questionable, um, you know, for me anyway, there are a couple of coin flip uh, officiating decisions that that set the game in a, on a course and then. Um, and then from there, the abs, the abs did the rest, uh, they they really had no problem imploding all on their own after uh, after a couple of things don't go their way. They just melted down um, physically, emotionally, and then um, never got it going again. They never even they never even really came close uh, after that. So uh, it's pretty disappointing from a Colorado side that had lost four straight and uh, really really needs to start getting some points somewhere. Otherwise, they're gonna. They're going to just start to fall too far back. So I think it, uh, you know, it's, it was it was from that side of things, you know, um, from where we are, uh, it's a disaster of five of, of five minutes for sure. Yeah, I thought the game overall was surprising for me because, you know, I say this all the time. What I love are the Canucks Avs games that are like seven, six games wild barn burners and tonight was not that kind of game the Canucks outshot the Avs 43 to 31 um 
and frankly had one of their better games and it seems like the Canucks save all their best games for the Avs and usually it's usually it's pretty entertaining but tonight it was a bit of a drag yeah I think uh you know when you're the defending cup champs you you during the season a lot of times you you get the other team's best shot they get up for you uh you're a lot more you're a lot more of a a measuring stick emotionally um for a lot of these teams where it's like oh we want to take these guys down a peg you know they don't they don't care who's on the ice and who's not they care about you know these guys these guys accomplish the goal that we have set out to accomplish and uh so we want to we want to see how we how we match up next to them so the Avs the Avs get a lot of best shots uh from teams every night but usually they handle it a little better than this if you're just joining us now uh I am joined by AJ Hayfley of at, do I say Denver or do I say DNVR? It's DNVR. They're supposed to be like call sign. It's supposed to be like a television yeah. call sign. Awesome. Okay. So. Uh, AJ Hayfley of at DNVR underscore Avalanche. Follow them on Twitter and follow AJ at return of AJ. Uh, I don't know if you're in the chat, but the entire chat has been invaded by DNVR followers, which is awesome. Welcome to Game Over Vancouver. Uh, if you are new to me, I am Samantha Chang. I'm the host of I'm one of the hosts of Game Over Vancouver. I am a long-suffering Canucks fan, but my first team that actually made me a hockey fan was the Avs. So they are in fact my other team. So welcome to the show. This these are these are hard games for me because I always watch and normally I cheer I go Canucks Avs. But mm-hmm. this season, for all the Canucks fans who are here, I have been saying that the Canucks should lose as many games as they possibly can and tank for Bedard because what I don't want is another season of the Canucks drafting like between 10 and 25 and kind of like either just missing the playoffs or sneaking in when they have no business being in the playoffs. And so tonight I got like, you know, I'm excited the Canucks won. I think Andre Kuzmenko has been amazing, but I, I would have liked to see the Avs win tonight. Yeah, I mean, me too. Um, uh, losing is not particularly fun uh, or interesting. And uh, especially when it's five in a row, there isn't a lot to say. You're just like, yeah, they just can't find ways to win. They're bad. They're, the, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen the Avs lose this many games in a row. Yeah, it's uh, would, a big uh, turnaround from last year. Would venture that it hasn't happened uh, any time in the last five years. Um, but, I don't know. It's uh, you know, says 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 a lot that the the NVR homies wanted to come and suffer with me. They love you. There's a lot of yeah. love for you in the chat. Um, there is a question for you in the chat that says, AJ Jack Maloney says, AJ, I got a question for you. What does it feel like to cheer for a team that is competent? Um. Well, right now I don't know. Um. No, it's most of the time it feels pretty good. You trust that they make good sound decisions and you get excited when new players uh, are brought in because you're like, oh, the front office is pretty good. And it's uh, it's fun to see how they fit in. And so it's more surprising when things don't work out than when they do. So it's a it's a different it's a different world. Well, it's very different. Yeah, we're going to we're going to jump back to what's been plaguing the abs in the second segment. I want to go back to the game. Um, I don't know if you've seen many Canucks games this year. Uh, but this was definitely one of their better efforts. Uh, I thought Andre Kuzmenko had an outstanding game. Colin Delia's kind of third string goaltender had put in a 
pretty good performance. What did you, who stood out to you for the Canucks? Uh, it, for me, it had to be Kuzmenko. Um, I mean, it, the, the, the two goals around the net are kind of whatever, but it's, it's the way that he was controlling play on the ice. Uh, and when it happened live, that play that he made in the neutral zone on the right before the third goal, it happened live. Uh, and I thought to myself, okay, I need to remember that. Cause if, if this doesn't turn into a goal or anything, I want to go back and, and pull up video of that because I thought it was really good. Uh, he, the way that he kind of shielded off whichever abs player it was and um, chipped the puck between his legs up the ice uh, for Patterson to chase down in the corner. And that's, that's a thing that one, you've got to have a lot of confidence to do that in the neutral zone in an NHL yeah. game, but two, you've got to be a really skilled player to pull something like that off. Um, and, and three, really just the creativity to think of it in that moment, uh, to try and make that kind of play. And it was such a nice play and it was so effective. Um, and it was really, uh, you know, we saw later on, there was, he dominated an entire shift along the far wall, just back and forth, just running Sam, poor Sam Gerard ragged. Um, so it was really, uh, it, it was really, uh, Kuzmenko and I thought Elias Patterson was, uh, also one of the guys that really jumped off the ice and this might be the only time that I ever uh, uh, say this, uh, but Tyler Myers, some, some level of credit to the way that he shadowed Nathan McKinnon. So like, good for him, I guess. That might be one of the few nice things anyone said about Tyler Myers this year. Look, so. I knew Tyler Myers growing up. Okay. We were, we're both from Katy, Texas. So uh, it's, it's it, this, anything Tyler Myers is really weird for me. I don't know if you know this. His nickname in Vancouver is uh, the Chaos Giraffe. I get it. I, he's very, yeah, he's he's really big. Yeah. I like that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I didn't know you guys grew up together. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing about the game I wanted to talk about was Georgiev's uh, little freak out. What did you, you think of that? You blame the guy? I mean, I, I have a really hard time thinking that uh, the three goals are really on him. Yeah. Um, they all come right around the net. They all come with multiple major blunders and breakdowns immediately in front of him that, that leave guys wide open or, uh, you know, a puck wide open on the back door or something. So I don't really have I don't really have a lot in me to, to, to go after Georgiev on this one, but I, I don't blame him, uh, especially the third one. Devon Taves just throwing a puck into the middle of the eye what are you doing it's so like, unlike what? him too right like it, it, it's it was shocking the role that Devon Taves played in this meltdown where he gets lazy and opens the door for the icing to get waved off then he takes a penalty I think both of those things I said earlier I think both of those things are coin flips um that just that just go against the abs um I think I, I think that should have been icing and I think that the the, the penalty call is soft as hell um but he opens the door for both of those things to happen. And then the turnover on that third goal, it's its just insanity. Like, Devon Taves is wildly effective, doesn't do very much uh, in the way of sexy highlight real things. Uh, but he also just doesn't make mistakes like this. Yeah, I was going to say alone... this is one of the worst games I've seen him play. Yeah, same. And and let, let, let alone, I mean, several huge Yeah. Huge mistakes the way that he did tonight. I mean, that was uh, that might have been the most shocking part of the entire game is that it wasn't that the Avs threw the game in the away. It was that Devon Taves single handedly melted down the way that he did. Yeah, I thought that was a huge part of this game as well. All right, uh, I will move on from 
kind of the main crux of the pain tonight into the main crux of the pain this season. I've been wanting to talk to you, you know, as a sometimes Avs fan, uh, I've said for the last few years, the Avs have an outrageous amount of injuries. Like just, it seems like it's never ending, but it's somehow gotten worse this season. Um, and my question for you is, given their performance and their fall off this year, how much of it do you think is injury driven? How much of it do you think is cup hangover or how much of it do you think is just something else? Well, some of it is the combination of the cup hangover and injury driven because it was the latest off season that the league has ever had um, with like a normal schedule. Obviously that COVID one was really weird too, but um, they, 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 finished up and you know free agency was like july 15th or something this year you know the abs the abs were playing deep into the season so the guys that had serious injuries that needed surgery and that needed recovery the season started on time uh it didn't wait for them to get better and the sense of urgency to try and get back uh they ended up with you know both landis cog and darren helm um needed second surgeries on their injuries to uh to get to really get fixed up uh the way that they should have been so that was a problem. Um, you know, obviously Helm played tonight and actually had some nice moments, to be honest. So yay for Darren Helm. But the the injuries just have never stopped once they started. You know, it was it was Landis Goggin, it was Helm at first, and then then it was Nachushkin, and then it was Byram, and then it was Manson, and then McKinnon was out. Um, and there was that stretch where Lekanen was also out and Miko Rantanen. And Alex Newhook and JT Comfer are like the only NHL players they had playing for them for a little bit. It 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 was it was crazy. Um, it was actually really really nuts in December the way that it got. Right now it's it's still bad. Obviously, uh, I, I tell people like you'll get people that tweet at you after every single loss and they'll be like injuries are no excuse. But uh, take take a second line off of any team in the NHL. You know you take out. Because with no Gabe Landeskog, no Val Nachushkin, no Evan Rodriguez, that's Colorado's second line. Yeah. Right right there. Take off uh, an entire second line, not a part of it, the entire thing. Chop that thing off. All right? And do it Do it for two months. And let's just see how teams fare. Uh, because it, it's hard living. And again, nobody has sympathy for the Avs. Like, nobody cares, right? Uh, but it, the reality is, is... They've they've not had their top six together, not for one game this year, uh, and now with they've they've been missing Bowen Byram and Josh Manson for a month. Yeah, uh, that's that's the two thirty when when you invest so much money into your defense being your strength, missing arguably two of your three best two way forwards in Landis Cog and Nichushkin, and then missing uh, an entire second pairing for you. In in Bowen Byram and and Josh Manson, well well, it's tough living out there. Uh, so it's uh, the injuries have had an impact, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, to your you... point, if you look at the Avs IR list, like that list of players is better than a lot of NHL teams. There are some like it, for at one point it was like, oh, this is just a starting lineup yeah. for like a playoff team. Um. Yeah, so it's it, it's been really it's been really tough, and it just hasn't really subsided. Uh, you know, like there's there's hope on the horizon. Uh, Nachushkin is skating. Evan Rodriguez is is really in a true day to day. He's on the trip. Pavel Francouz even. You know, Georgiev has started ten games in a row. Pavel Francouz has been hurt, and they don't trust uh, Jonas Johansson 
at all. So uh, they they're in this position where now Georgiev is starting every game, and uh, you know even if I don't think he's overworked, I definitely think he could use the mental break at this yeah. point because it's you know him snapping tonight. It looks like it's getting to him. Uh, the bad things that are starting to happen, you know those are those are those are cracks in the foundation that just don't that have not been there the last few years. So it's really a lot of things uh, are starting to add up. And I think when you lose this many games in a row, especially as a, as an organization with such high expectations that you can know, Hey, in, in four weeks, this is all going to be better. These guys are going to be back. We're going to have most of our lineup intact. We're going to be, we're going to be ready to go and we're going to be ready to chase down, uh, you know, try and chase down home ice advantage in the postseason. You could, you can logically know that all you want, but in the moment, in, in the moment you're in hell. Yeah. And that's where the Avalanche are right now. They're in, they're in hell. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a classic, like you're caught, you're caught in quicksand, you know, because the, the, the harder you try and get out of it, the deeper that you sink. Uh, and that's, that's where the Avs are right now. They're, they're caught in quicksand, quicksand and in hell. That's uh, quite the analogy. It kind of, kind of feels like the Canucks most years. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like the Canucks every time they make a big decision, right? Yeah. Um, like, oh, committing to JT Miller was the obvious thing to do, and now that contract hasn't even started, and it's like... Was it, though? Was it the wreck? obvious thing to do? I mean, you and I felt a certain way about it, for sure. Um, you know, you know, we were on we were on team, you have to move him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, manage, management there, just, uh, you know, they don't listen to podcasts. I, I have a theory that what the Canucks do is they have a plan. They know rationally they should have moved him. But what happens is he starts to perform. He has a 99-point season, and they're like, no, he's too good. We can't we can't do it. We, we just got to pay him. Like, he's going to lead us to the promised land. But it's like, it's so short-sighted. It's like a toddler with a new toy. And it's, you know, it happens with every player. Like, right now, everyone's like, oh, Bo Horvat's having an incredible season. He's like, he's on a better scoring pace than Pavel Bure was. And that is like the Canucks all-time record. And, you know, you're sitting here thinking you got to sell high on Bo, but he's your captain. And at some point I have no faith that they're not going to look at him and be like, he's scoring too much. He's too good. We got to figure out a way to pay him. But then you got to pay Elias Pettersson and you got to pay Kuzmenko because he's on a one-year contract. And it's like, what is the plan? I just want to know what the plan is. How how quickly could they kickstart a retool if they bit the bullet, were honest with the fan base and said, "Hey, we're just not good enough. These are good players, but we just they just don't have enough help. We're just not going to be able to do anything with these guys." And they tried to salvage as much of Pedersen and Hughes' primes as possible instead of dilly dallying with them in their mid twenties like they are because uh, those primes are over when they're over. Yeah, it goes real and- fast. It does. It, do, it does go very fast. The idea that Gabe Landeskog is thirty years old makes me feel like I'm ancient. Yeah. And it happens really quickly, and the 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 opportunity to make hard decisions comes and goes because now with JT Miller, JT Miller with an expiring contract and all that, like teams would have been lining up to pay out the nose for the opportunity for you know uh, a, a passionate cares a lot, uh, versatile, uh, kind of of jack-of-all-trades forward that could have fit into any lineup in the league and any play style in the league. And instead, they just decided to double down on their own mediocrity and 
you know, chase the promised land of maybe a wild card spot if they're lucky. Well, if you get in, anything can happen, right? I mean, to your to answer your question, yeah. I, I think there has been a large segment of the fan base and now an increasing number of fans saying, just bite the bullet and do it. Like, they've been saying for ever since at least 2014, they've been saying we're two years away from contending. It's 2023, and they're still saying we're two years away from contending. Like, at some point, at some point, you just have to realize that retooling on the fly is not working for you. Like, no. just communicate it and have a plan. Yeah, they're they're forever two years away from being two years away. Yeah, it's it's not fun. Not fun. Um. Okay. The other thing I wanted to chat about in this segment is I was I was taken aback by Andrew Cogliano's 10-minute misconduct because I, I just, I, I have no words for it. Uh, if, you, if you weren't watching the game, uh, Andrew Cogliano was giving the ref a hard time uh, for his role in the Canucks goal. And I guess the referee decided it had gone too far and gave him a 10-minute misconduct. Uh, I thought that was shocking and it, Reminded me of my ongoing gripe about the NHL, which is one, that the officiating is consistently terrible for a major league sport um, amongst the worst. And somehow I feel like this season the refereeing has gotten worse. And on top of that, the thing that really pisses me off is their continuing refusal to make referees available to answer questions or to have any kind of like report like all of the other major sports do. Yeah, I've always said that a pool reporter um, selected by the media should be able to go in and have, um, you know, five minutes with the officiating crew after the game. You know, whether that just be the one official, you know, whatever. But five minutes, um, I just think that extra layer of accountability and transparency is only a good thing for the league. Um, I don't know that it would necessarily change anything or whatever, but I feel like we would feel better in those moments where we could say, hey, what happened with Andrew Cogliano? You know, you have to understand that you're in the wrong position. You're not supposed to be along the wall when that puck is getting cleared right there. Uh, you could see later on in the game when that puck was in similar situations, he skated out like he's supposed to do away from the wall so that that puck, uh, understanding that puck's going to get rimmed around. He's in the wrong position. It goes off of him. Uh, and maybe that puck doesn't get out anyway, but at least if that puck doesn't get out and the Canucks score, then it's because the Canucks made a play. But be, we're talking about uh, the third guy, the, the third guys on the ice that aren't supposed to be uh, impacting actual on ice play here beyond beyond just making judgment calls and decisions or whatever, but actually impacts the play, changes it by being in the wrong position. He's not doing his job, and Cogliano gives him the business which he deserves. And the guy is so soft, he, he gives him a 10-minute. You know, the Avs lose one of their best PK guys. They lose one of their veterans. A guy that should have plenty of rope. I mean, it, unless unless he crossed, like, the verbal line, uh, um, like, right off the top, uh, which is, of course, possible, then, to me, it, it was kind of mind-blowing that they that they they gave him that penalty. And then later on in the period... Uh, you know, after Kale McCarr had taken a high stick, you have uh, Bo Horvat like losing his mind while Brock Besser goes to the box, and it was all good. Yeah, 
and and that that like you see those situations and you see where standards are being applied differently is where I think fan every single fan base in the NHL will tell you it gets frustrated. Yeah, I I mean I think that was one of the more egregious examples in recent memory, like to the point where you know I I get a hard time sometimes from Canucks fans saying like who are you actually cheering for, but I I tweeted like that that call made no sense and like i had i think even canucks fans were like yeah that was an absurdly soft call like, yeah i, I, mean, I want to know what andrew cogliano said to him yeah i mean it, it just reminds me of the scene in in bull durham where you know there are certain words you just can't you just can't call officials uh and so i just i just wonder i'm like did cogliano start there because if he does, you know, if you if you go from zero to a hundred and you push, you go like you push the line or go over the line right off the top, then you're not going to get any leeway. Uh, and for a veteran like that, like I, you are disappointed that it's it's him making that mistake. But at the same time, like the, he had every reason to be upset, every reason in the world to be upset. And for for an official to be as thin skinned as it appears he was, it's uh. It's it's just disappointing, uh, you know. It probably does the does a favor that he doesn't put the abs back on an, another immediate PK, but you also take away one of their veteran guys and one of their key penalty killers. Uh, you take him off the ice for other power plays. Yeah. So um, you know it it still ends up punishing the abs in some way, and it was just it felt it felt very petty and personal right after an official had made an egregious mistake. Uh, a mistake that was involved in a game-changing play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Vaguely Sober in the chat says, Megan just noted on the DNVR Avs post that Cogs taking that 10 was an example of the Avs' entire mentality right now. All frustration. Yeah, and you can definitely feel it after they gave up after they gave up that goal because right now the Avs cannot survive bad things happening to them like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, again, it's a series of coin flips that go against Colorado. Uh you know, a puck, a puck, that, or, or a puck that's going into the corner. Devon Taves uh, is is being lazy about it, if we're being honest. But he still had him beat. It should have been icing. Uh, we see it get called icing all the time in that situation, constantly. And this one time, it doesn't. So you lose that coin flip. Then the penalty up the wall with on a very weak call, and the stick gets in the hands. And everybody loves to say, "Oh, it gets called all the times." Well. We've got video of it not being called three times in the last week, just in Avalanche games. So it doesn't get called all the time. So you lose that coin flip, and then a puck that's supposed to be up and out of the zone and turns into a goal against, uh, you lose that coin flip. Like that's where that's where your frustration boils over because it feels like the you're you're trying to control what you can control, and you can only be so mature about things for so long before things that are out of your control start just continue to go against you every single night that you're just going to boil over. And I think that's what we saw tonight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I I think, once again, your your point that you can only be mature for so long speaks to me as a Canucks fan. Well, and, and, and the I entire fan base. Well, and, like, I think it speaks to us, all of us as people. Like, yeah. you could be as absolutely mature about every single thing that happens to you in life, you know? the All the things that we don't control on a daily basis but impact our lives in some way. If enough of those things go against you, several days in a row you know by day six you're like okay i'm not going outside anymore i'm not giving the universe a chance to do this to me and that's the day that your power goes out like at some 100%. point at that at some point you just snap like at some point you're, you've just had enough 
of the uncontrollable taking you down a peg. And and you know, the Avs the Avs have plenty of internal issues. They made plenty of mistakes tonight, but the things that they couldn't control, the things that were uh, a little bit out of uh, out of their control in terms of referees calling things and et cetera, et cetera, uh, not not going particularly their way. I can understand the frustration, but they also do a good job of putting them in, themselves in positions for things to go against them. Yeah. All right. If you're still here with us, thanks so much. If you're just joining us, Canucks beat the Avs 4-2. Uh, I am with AJ Hayfley of at DNVR underscore Avalanche. Uh, you can go follow them. Go follow AJ at Return of AJ. Follow at SDPN Sports. Um, last segment of the night if you are still with us, make sure you tweet that we're about to do this. AJ and I like to talk about uh, last year when Canucks fans were saying that they would not trade JT Miller for Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook. Uh, I think the conversation now has shifted to whether or not it would make sense for the Colorado Avalanche to add Canucks captain Bo Horvat, who is on a absolute scoring tear this season. Uh, Peter Ball actually wrote it wrote about it today in in the Athletic. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Avs acquiring Bo Horvat? Well, a year ago it was JT Miller, uh, and I had a lot of I had a lot of Canucks fans tell me that Alex Newhook and Bo and Byram weren't enough uh for for jt miller and then you know last i checked those guys have more hardware than uh than jt miller so good good call i guess um and now this year it's bo horvat and it's just like wow it's crazy how the canucks have all these guys who are so valuable and worth all these really good young players and young pieces from other teams you'd think that they were winning more hockey games but they're not so uh, the uh, theoretical value of, of Vancouver Canucks players has been a, a source of great amusement for me over the last 12 months. Do you think, though, that watching this game and maybe – I don't know if you've had a chance to see Horvat play this season or the past seasons and having lost Kadri, uh, that there would be more appetite for adding a Bo Horvat rather than a JT Miller I will say Bo Horvat's been one of the guys that I've I've loved watching from afar for the last few years. Um, longtime listeners of the DNVR Avs show will know that uh, I am very pro Bo Horvat, uh, and I've talked about the Avs trading for him in the past. But with him scoring on pace for a like a sixty goal season right now, uh, the price to acquire him I think would be uh, uh, outrageously high. For the Avalanche, uh, and, and the Avalanche are an asset poor team. They just don't, they don't have prospects hanging around in the system. They don't have. They have got one first round pick this year, one first round pick next year. Uh, they don't have any second or third round picks for the next few years. Uh, they're just they're very very light on assets. They traded all their defensive prospects at the deadline last year, um, except Sean Barons. And so it's like the Avs have Sean Barons. They have a first-round pick. Uh, they've got Oscar Olauson, who's having a fine debut season in the AHL, uh, who was who was the last their last first-round pick that they actually picked. Um, so like they've got a, like a couple, but literally after that, you're, you, there's just a giant cliff of quality of prospects. 
so for the abs, it would have to be very all in. I mean, maybe maybe it's New Hook, right? Like maybe New Hook goes the other way in that deal. But uh, really, uh, for the abs, like it's just so expensive, and then they have to understand they don't have the money to resign yeah. him. On there, there isn't there isn't a realistic scenario where the abs go and get Bo, Horv- Bo Horvat and actually make their team definitively better without just creating other holes on the roster and being able to bring him back on a, on a, on a new contract. It's just, it just doesn't work that way, but the, the fit would be immaculate. I mean, he'd be great, especially having a career year and being the kind of guy that he is and, you know, helping, uh, helping the abs and obviously in areas that they need high goal scoring, high winning faceoffs. Like, yeah, Bo Horvat would be uh, a really good, addition to the avalanche just as a just as a player and filling that need and put Bo Horvat between Landis Gog and Nachushkin instead of Evan Rodriguez and you're you're feeling really good about the team's possibility to chase down a second Stanley Cup but the the long-term cost of it and the the knowing like the certainty that you're just not going to be able to keep him uh is that are you willing to take that chance that you can get everything to align in a year where nothing or very little has gone right? I won't say nothing, but very little has gone right for you. Are you really going to take the chance that you're going to catch some of the some of the universal breaks, some of the of the luckier things that need to happen to win a Stanley Cup? Are you are you really banking on that? Uh, because you could say that giving getting Bo Horvat would put them in the best possible position to repeat, and I would probably agree with you, but it puts you in a worse position to do it beyond this season. Yeah. And that's where, that's where you have to just, you just have to balance it. Um, you know, if, if Colorado star players were in their thirties, if they were in a situation where like Washington and Pittsburgh, where the majority of their core is in its mid thirties and this, you're really looking at like any run could be their last great run. You'd probably feel differently, but Colorado's all these guys are still in their twenties. Um, they should have several more kicks at the can uh beyond to find a way to extend the window rather than shorten it exactly and especially i mean the the salary cap's going up here in a couple of years will really help give colorado a little bit of breathing room um but they're going to need most of that breathing room just to stay where they are to maintain status quo you know a new contract for Devontae's, new contract for miko rantanen someday kale mccarr is going to need a max salary because the guy's just an obscenely good player like they're gonna they're gonna need to make some tough choices, but they're gonna you know, paying top dollar for for top guys is not a sustainable uh, method for winning a long for a long time. Are you sure uh, you you can't just like be the GM of the Canucks because like there was just so much logic there? <laughs> Can you just give I mean, some of it to our team? <laughs> I don't want it to leave Colorado. It's got to stay at Ball Arena. Uh, okay. The other question I wanted to ask you on this note. What are, watching the Canucks tonight, and kind of with whatever knowledge you have of the Canucks, how do you see this, what do you think they need to do to improve? What do you think they should do? And also, what are some of the wildest trades you have seen Canucks fans propose? Uh, Well, so wildest trades, uh, I've seen uh, a Brock Besser for Frank Vitrano. Um, which I guess I just don't understand. Um, like Brock Besser is like a good player. I know he's got injury issues, but Frank Vitrano is kind of stinky. There's, um, there's like a ongoing narrative here this year about how bad 
professor has been. Uh, this is, as, as I've said earlier tonight, for whatever reason, there seems to be this weird uh, buy high, sell low mentality here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a common mentality for the record because yeah. I've got people t tweeting at me tonight about how much Alex Newhook sucks. A night where he has an assist on one of their two goals. And like, oh, Newhook is bad and this and that. And yeah, okay, so you want to give him away while he has no value. But it's a great idea. Um, but you want to buy Bull Horvat at the absolute peak of his career when he's shooting like 22% or something. Like, okay. So... Yeah, I think it's just a common affliction among sports fans. Uh, one of my other personal favorites is a uh, a cap-friendly special uh, of Travis Dermott, Connor Garland, and JT Miller for Joel Farabee and Ivan Provorov. I don't know why Philadelphia is doing that. Yeah, me I get, neither. I get why Vancouver is interested in that, but I don't know why the Flyers are. That so. would, That's... If... <laughs> If the Canucks manage to pull that off, I will personally build a statue of Patrick Alvine. It's a it's a lot of it's a lot of money going both directions, and I it just feels like it feels like uh, two Titanics passing each other, just just yeah. like throwing icebergs at one another. Yeah, I I, I, don't, I would uh... like to see the combination of John Tortorella and JT Miller. That would that I would enjoy deeply. Well, uh, were they not? Uh... Did they not cross paths in New York? I don't. I don't know those times. I actually don't know. As as soon as I said it, I was like, maybe they did play together. Maybe they yeah. that they crossed paths, but I don't know. If somebody in the chat knows. Let me know. Uh, I did see a an Avalanche one of Bo Horvat and Jack Rathbone to the Avs for Sean Barons, Jean Luc Foodie, a first round pick, and generously only a fifth round pick. And to be honest with me. To be honest with you, it felt it, it felt a little light to me. Um, Sean Barron's uh, foodie and a, and a first for Bo Horvat and Jack Rathbone. I'm I'm pro Jack Rathbone. So I'm uh, I'm very pro Jack Rathbone. I would not like short of that first being like a top five pick this year. I don't, I don't know about that one. Who knows Who knows where that abs pick is headed? But yeah, uh, with uh, you know, if they get Bo Horvat, it feels like. Eh, they're probably at least a playoff team, right? They gotta be. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're making the postseason. <laughs> I think they're but... making the postseason. I think they make the postseason and the injuries uh, wrap themselves up in time for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not going to start truly worrying until game 60. So yeah. any, anybody that wants to know where my limit is, there it is. It's game 60. Game 59, we're still cool. But game 60, not cool anymore. You draw the line. Yep. You got, I mean, you got to draw it somewhere. So uh, those are a couple of my personal favorites that I've seen. But uh, to answer the other part of your question, what 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 do I think they should do? Uh, I, I mean, I think Thatcher Demko needs to perform a seance or an exorcism or so he needs he needs spiritual help. Yeah, uh, because something looks real, real broken there. Uh, and then the rest of it, just stop, stop investing in bad defensemen. What like? What are you doing? Uh, I think that, you know, Quinn Hughes is is fine. Uh, I, I don't think that the conversation about Quinn Hughes versus Kale McCarr uh, will ever be had again. But he's a good, he's a really good player in his own right. And surrounding him with a little more talent would help. Uh, I don't know how Ethan Bear has been this year, but I know that pre-COVID, Ethan Bear was a pretty good 
young yeah. player, and I really liked him. Uh, again, pro Jack Rathbone. What's up with that? Uh, stop trading for for OEL and uh, OEL and Tyler Myers are really the big, literally and figuratively, your really big problem on the yeah. on the back end there. It's a absolutely it's a ton of money for a long time for two players who, at this point in their careers, just aren't very good. Uh, and then I would be selling off. You know, I would be. I'd still be, be trying to trade JT Miller. I'd be trying to trade Brock Besser. I'd be trying to trade uh, Andre Kuzmenko. If, if Andre Kuzmenko, you you love what he's given them, but again, is he going to be part of your long term process of winning, or is this a guy that you pulled out of the KHL? He played one phenomenal year for you, and you turned him into a first round pick, so that you could try and retool and a first round pick in what could shape up to be a historically great draft. Um, I'm sorry, but. You do no that in a heartbeat. Kuzmenko, but if you try and retool now, you're not seriously competing for another two or three years, which I know that's not what Canucks fans want to hear, but commit to a process because right now this this committal to uh, having an 82-point season is not resulting in the, the, the kind of competitiveness you want. That was all music to my ears. Uh Thank you so much for joining us today, AJ. I really appreciate you taking a break from your own show to join us. I'm very happy we finally got to meet. Uh, thanks for joining yeah. us. If you're still here with us, Canucks win 4-2 tonight. Uh, they take on the Jets on Sunday. And we'll see you then. Have a great night, everyone.